Betty? Betty? <laughs> Whoa. Oh my gosh, that was funny. Welcome to Slashes and Suits. <laughs> Welcome to Slashes and Suits. Okay, so... <laughs> tonight's the night that we watch your favorite movie. Yes, and I must admit I'm feeling quite giddy. I am absolutely ready for 1978 Halloween. And we put it off because... We didn't initially mean to put the movie off so long. Um, we really wanted to get a start in classic slashers, but then it kind of became intimidating. Where do you put Halloween? So we're just throwing it down. We're, we're doing it right now. And we're going to take a break from our 1981 kick. We're going to throw it back to the movie that really inspired it all. I second that. We were truly intimidated by the idea of covering this movie because of the status it has <laughs> and because it is the movie that we've watched the most times. Yes, I, I would say so. And I think it's a really fun one, though, because, because of how much started here that wasn't necessarily trying to become a thing, but then when Friday the 13th came out and made a template based on Halloween. It just became the iconic starter point. And we have your wife, <laughs> Lori Strode. Yes, we certainly do. Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> is uh, uh, in full effect here. Oh, and you've already declared <laughs> for her in Prom Night and in Terror Train, so. Yes, Jamie Lee Curtis, AKA my wife. Exactly. <laughs> and I think it's going to be just an awesome movie to watch and to talk about and to analyze. And I recommend uh, picking up a copy of Carol Clover's Men, Women, and Chainsaws because she really writes a lot about Halloween and the figure of the final girl in Laurie Strode. Laurie Strode. So how many times in the show thus far have we talked about final girl? You know, this is something mm -hmm. we delve into every single episode, and it is quite possibly the one thing that we dedicate the most time to. Mm -hmm. So this is a very, very big deal. And the reason that we have that, we're going to find out at the end of this very movie. Oh, that's right. So this is going to be really fun on so many levels. If you are used to the uh, 1981 vibe, with all the slapstick and mm -hmm. all the constant partying and stuff like that, then it might require a slight adjustment. I think so. But this movie was made before there was any sort of cultural phenomenon called the slasher movie. You know, right. this wasn't made for the drive-in. This wasn't made to cash in on a teenage craze. This was made to be a masterpiece of horror and its purpose was to bring horror into the realm of realism and get away from things like ghosts and goblins and move towards things like serial killers, crazy people, the guy outside of the window, mm -hmm. realistic sources of terror that everyone in modern America can relate to. 
So we yeah. have that realized here in a very excellent way. So without further ado, I actually made a pumpkin curry nice. for the event. Uh, I wanted to incorporate the pumpkin somehow. Nice. So oh, that's my contribution. That's what I brought. What you bring? Oh, my pumpkins are outside. That I still have them from Halloween. Um, it's now May, and two of them have melted back into the earth. <laughs> yes. And one of them has become a hollow shell that you can almost like use as a soccer ball at this point. It's really and it's growing things on it and it has like green boils on it it's very interesting so i still have my pumpkins excellent so uh definitely still have that oh and i wanted to say too that something else i love about this movie is that the year you know 78 we've got a final girl who kind of carries the movie at a time when women's liberation was reaching full effect and also uh the the time when latchkey kids you know going into the 80s when kids were really on their own and of course women were entering the workforce in higher numbers and you had more of a sense of a a childhood gang you know or or group you know a clique and and everybody kind of fending for themselves yes and there is something else that was peaking in the late 70s that is going to be extremely important uh, every night on the evening news. Ooh. People were getting these reports of escaped maniacs. Right. These serial killers. Uh, the I-5 killer. You know, uh, Henry Lee Lucas, John Wayne Gacy, ah. Ted Bundy, of course. Just to That's name a few. Right. So this was the era of the serial killer, of the scary, mysterious guy prowling outside. And I believe that without that social climate, right. movies like these featuring masked killers would not have been nearly as effective. Oh, I absolutely agree. And also a, a rise in divorce rates. So you have that kind of um, family dynamic in slashers that you don't see a lot in like the 50s 60s movie dynamics and it's really focused more on the effects on the children which i think is is really interesting yes yes so yet another element of realism there right that is the key word here is is real halloween tries to be real you know in the 60s we had this revival they were remaking 30s movies. There were lots of mummies, mm -hmm. lots of werewolves, invisible men, mm -hmm. uh, vampires, things like that. They brought all of that stuff back. And that was fun. But the primary audience was actually the adults who had seen those as children. Right. So the other form of horror movie was The Blob. Nice. Or... 500-foot octopus nonsense, right? <laughs> right. You, you know, um, the roller skating hot dog or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and, have, have you seen that one? You know, it's on my list. <laughs> yes. So, 
drive-in culture was populated by horror movies that bordered on the absurd. Yes, there was exactly. not one single hint of realism. These were the movies that the teenagers were watching. Yes. So exactly. the only thing that we're going to keep from that wave of films is the sexual component. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see a lot of sexuality, a lot of bold cinematography, yes. a lot of realism, a lot of raw humanity. It is it is a very raw film. Oh, absolutely it is. Are you kidding it me? Came out, uh, really came out at the perfect time. We haven't delved too deep into the 70s yet no but we're going to because there are a few films that preceded halloween that really changed things into a very raw environment almost as if they were rebelling against the 1960s drive-in culture particularly the texas chainsaw massacre yes stark stark contrast oh i can't even wait for texas chainsaw with his little tap shoes Yes, yes, you love his little tap shoes, and <laughs> actually, I came to love them too, so it's just so funny because it's another one of these examples where most people are shrieking in terror or thinking that this movie is, like, really horrific and they can't watch, and we're just laughing. <laughs> his shoes are so small. <laughs> his shoes are really disproportionately small. It's, it's like, quite fascinating. It's awkward. It eats up the screen. And it actually becomes the focal point. I know. And I was like, uh, I remember, remember when we were when we were first watching that? Yes. I was sitting there completely mesmerized by the ambiance and trying to point out the esoteric nuances of backwoods Texas. And you said, Yeah, but get a load of those tax shoes. <laughs> and so then that became the thing because that's Leatherface. We see him for the whole movie. Oh, so we had to look at those tap shoes <laughs> the so whole funny. time. And so it turned oh, into a comedy for us. It really did. I don't even know how, but that was just like the funniest thing to me. So I can't wait till we get there. And we're definitely going to get into the Jalo movies. We've got oh, some yeah. fun ones coming up. Uh, we've talked a lot about that, especially with um, Canadian slashers, like pointing to the black gloves in Happy Birthday to Me. So we're getting there. Yeah. And since someone's going to call us out when we do cover the proto slasher 70s movies, there is one that we decided to skip. Yes, there is. So while we are very aware of the historical significance and genre importance of Last House on the Left, that is a movie that we will not be covering no. uh, due to the fact that it is quite uncomfortable to watch. Absolutely. So you can go watch that on your own, read about it. It is culturally significant, and we are pretty open-minded around here when it comes to the arts. However, there are certain things that are cringy and do not age well. Absolutely. And I would say, you know what? They were inspired by Ingmar Bergman's the Virgin Spring, so maybe uh, just watch that one night. That would be really fun. In fact, we should make that a uh, patron episode. Ooh, totally. Let's make that a patron episode because there's also 
there's a number of old black and white films that would really fit right into our wheelhouse here. That would be really fun. I think we should. Yeah, let's do the let's do like the classic movies for the patrons. Awesome. Which, by the way, if you're not a patron, you can visit us over at Slashers and Suits. So, yes, yes. Aboard. Do it today. We absolutely love doing this and love interacting with other fans yes. of horror movies. We've been so actually uh, heard from quite a few people already and yes. uh, there's a lot of positive response to what we're doing the energy is great people people love this we love doing it I think that a lot of us uh, around a certain age range sort of have a special place in our hearts for the horror movies that we saw when we were kids absolutely you know they they really take us somewhere special and I, I think that uh, we're very transparent in our peer enjoyment of them because so far, we have found something hilarious <laughs> in every single one of those movies oh, that we've I covered know. so far. I know. I See, just we we love that slashers. stuff. The slashes and suits, like, <laughs> and that's what's fun. You know, you can you can tell which one of us has our suit on. <laughs> oh, you sure can. And 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 this spirit, by the way, is why we veto certain movies. The criteria for a movie being vetoed is that it its content prevents one or both of us from having fun yes. while watching it. And so rather than all of that humor and, and all of that uh, silly stuff that we're used to and, and love so much, what we end up getting is a, is a movie that uh, is a little too serious in the nerves that it attempts to strike. Yeah, and I would just say, you know, for example, New Year's Evil, best soundtrack ever. Just, oh, yeah. Um, but just not not our pick for a future yeah. film. Yeah, so so New Year's Evil is an incredible example of a Vito. plus soundtrack <laughs> and, and the movie gets an F. Oh, it was so, so sad. Very, very, very sad. Absolutely hated it. But uh, <laughs> so funny, you <laughs> negative, yeah. negative 36 billion or whatever you said. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that New Year's Evil will forever have my lowest rating. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it was just so bad. And it was one of those things where I remembered it wrong. I remembered it as a really good movie. I know something. you did because the soundtrack you know is what? so amazing. Yes, because of how I start headbanging the second yep. the music comes on. I know and I'm too. like, man. We are in for a wild ride. Now, I firmly believe that if that film were made in a different genre. I know. Without trying to do all of this slasher stuff. And botch it all horribly. Mm -hmm. And even tweak the characters to make them slasher characters, making them reprehensible, making us hate them in all these different ways. If they would have just made this a coming-of-age film, oh, you know, God, musical... Yes type of thing oh, if it had been a musical and It'd like be in our top five are you kidding me set in new york instead of yeah. hollywood so that they could actually get into like the underground like music culture are you kidding me it would have been the greatest yes. movie ever <laughs> yes sad. they they uh, had a chance to do it they could have focused I know. on and explored the vibrant punk scene i know that could have been the subject matter and instead Oh. They chose lowest common denominator <laughs> yeah. sleeve. Oh, they did. And and 
And we've talked about this. I think it was an inside job. Yeah, and I think so too. This, <laughs> we think it was made by someone who must have abhorred the slasher phenomenon because it, it seems to be intentionally bad so as to present itself as, uh, as, a, as a genre yep. that has some sort of deficiency, as a genre mm -hmm. that in and of itself is terrible. And I need to do more research because I really think it was probably someone who got fired or tried to be, you know, a writer for one of the big three. Well, the big three weren't really out yet, but probably for Friday the 13th and didn't yeah. make it. And so it's like a revenge thing. <laughs> do, you, do you think it was a wayward Canadian? You know, it probably was. A wayward Canadian. Eh? Here's the thing. This movie came out in the same year as all of these brilliant slasher movies that we love. You know, I it know. really does not get better than 1981 Canada. Anyone who's been watching along. Brilliant. Surely all of you have found at least one of those between Terror Train, Prom Night, My Bloody Valentine, The Prowler, Graduation Day. You know, final exam. I mean, these movies are solid. Incredible. They're Incredible. so good. They're and slasher so... movies that love being slasher movies. That's what I'm saying, though. It had to have been, like, a revenge plot, some vendetta against a director or some company. And then it was like, oh, I'm going to make a slasher and actually present it as terrible. So I'm going to bring the whole genre down with me. <laughs> and then once it got to... Um, Siskel and Ebert. Exactly. Exactly. So we don't have too much love for New Year's Evil because it seems to be a calculated attempt to discredit the genre. <laughs> yeah. It really does. And uh, I think that at the end of the day, the joke's on them, though, because all of these other movies have uh, aged exceptionally well. Oh, my God. Amazing. In terms of both their cinematic quality and their fun factor, most importantly... That's uh, what I'm saying. That's the thing, because, again, you have this musical stuff in New Year's Evil. That's fun, but mm -hmm. the entire rest of the movie is a total downer. Oh, my God. So. It's so bizarre what happens. Anyway, listen to the Veto episode. It's actually pretty fun because you get to hear some amazing music. That yeah. You know, it should have been the band. It should have been just their platform but it wasn't so as a complete 180 to that is the magnificence of halloween exactly what do you say we talk about some halloween i i do and i'll say i'm watching this on youtube because so here's the thing you can follow along it's halloween full movie it's the whole movie by all movies 90 horror and it should pop up just when you type in Halloween 1978 um, so that we can all start at the same place. If you want to rent it on Amazon Prime, be careful because this happened to us last time. I have the Shudder subscription. So Shudder is like um, you get all these horror movies. It's not the same timing. It So you'll be off about, it ends up being about two minutes and 30 seconds off from the actual regular movie that's not the shutter subscription so if you're renting it on amazon and it's just a normal prime cool we're gonna watch it on youtube for free 
Yeah, it would be best to fire up that YouTube and follow along with us. Uh, that way we're all in sync and we can all have fun with it together. Awesome. Okay, so where are you? I am at zero seconds. Oh, let me go back. Hold on. Bing. Okay. All right. Countdown and then press play. When I say play, I'm going to make this full screen. Hey. And I'm going to say three, two, one, play. Oh, listen to the music instantly. Wait, wait, do the three, two, one, play again. What? No, what happened? Where are you? It didn't go. It didn't go. No, it's because I pressed it and I started doing the dance I do when the theme song comes on, but it never came on. Did you pause it with your dance? Yes. I paused it with my dance. Okay, hold on, three. That's a special power, right? <laughs> yeah, your dance. Ah, oh, jeez. Wait, so okay. are you at one second now? I'm at oh. one second. Okay, I'm at one second. <laughs> okay. Okay, three, two, one, play. Okay, is it going? Mm -hmm. Yes, listen <laughs> to that. That's what I'm listen. seeing, the music. Woo! It's so good. This is... Do you think the best theme? In my opinion, yes. I think this is the best theme in movie history. To be quite honest, there are chills running down my spine. My neck hairs are standing up. Oh, but why did I even ask you? This is your favorite movie. What was this I even is, thinking? I <laughs> like, of course admit, you think it's the best one. I must admit, this <laughs> like, is my favorite movie. Oh, obviously <laughs> you think it's the best music. It is really good, though. I love it. It's a very simple piano or keyboard piano yes. theme. With the synthesizer, um, what is that in the background? It sounds like a sprinkler thing going off. Oh, so what he's got is a metronome being filtered through a synthesizer. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. So his timekeeper actually doubles as a psychedelic effect. It really does. It's it's pretty cool. And so then we, it's just the black green and the red lettering coming on and it's it's like orange and that fades into red which and vice versa which is really cool it's so beautiful <laughs> and then just a pumpkin with the candle in its head in its head yes. <laughs> just the pumpkin so we're zooming in on the pumpkin little by little by little and that's all we have too is just this very basic but very effective this black screen the jack-o'-lantern right in our face, credits are going, the music is playing, and immediately we know that this is a hell of a movie. Shout out, Mustafa Akkad was the one who financed it, right? Oh, yes, Mustafa Akkad made this movie possible. He's the guy who wrote the check. He funded and the whole thing. Amazing, and Deborah Hill, thank you very much. Deborah Hill, who co-wrote co the, the script, right? With John Carpenter? Yes. This is a John Carpenter and Deborah Hill production. So they wrote it together. And uh, Deborah Hill was actually responsible for producing the movie when it was finished. Mm, so uh, that's what I'm saying. we've got a really, really good team of people here. Now, check this out. We immediately start in POV. Mm. And what good POV it is. We have this average looking house that we seem to be walking up to. 
Oh my god, the couple you can see in the front door. Yes. So, do you know that that's the first time I noticed that they're oh. actually behind the front door? Oh, that's great. I've been obsessed with looking at the pumpkin on the porch every single time I've seen this. See? We're still noticing wonderful things. I'm telling you, that is ridiculous. So, POV has moved around the corner of the house, the side of the house, and is looking in at the this teenage girl and her boyfriend. Uh, yes, and this teenage girl, her name is Judith Myers. Uh-oh. <gasps> Black light. Excellent little sound effects happening here. We have a classic situation where people had the light on inside when it was dark outside. So... The and then, killer can see in, but you can't see out. But then the light turned off for their hanky-panky. Yes, they went upstairs for some hanky-panky. Because, <laughs> oh, I love the use of the keys here is so creepy. The slowed down theme. Yes. So now we are in our stalking theme. Oh, heck yeah. Oh. It sounds really good, too. So we have a hand opening the kitchen drawer and retrieving a large knife, now walking through the house, still in POV. And it was a small hand and it looked like on the arm was a costume. So what's happening here? Here's some breathing. Oh, I love that. It's like a theremin or something. It's so cool. And then, <laughs> and then oh. he, He's leaving already <laughs> from like the walk through the kitchen and he's done and out the door. Yes. Uh, my man might need to see a doctor. He's already done. He's on his way home. <laughs> and uh, something extremely important just happened on his way out. Mm -hmm. We have the first instance of an OSU, but it was a silent OSU. Yeah. He, he obviously recognized our POV person here but didn't think anything of it and just left so definitely knew who it was as we very slowly walk up the stairs oh here we go so oh guess what he's grabbing the killer is someone we know one of the classic motifs now we just got a mask it's a oh, clown mask and yes. now our pov shots are seen through the eyes of the clown mask are you kidding me with this as we um, walk judith meyer's bedroom but through the mask's eye holes. That's so cool. And we see the bed. So obviously there's something going on. Uh -oh. stunning, stunning visuals here as we have our first kill. Although people who have never seen this movie before will be surprised at the lack of blood and gore. There is no gore in this entire film. No, you don't. You didn't see anything happening with the knife. You just heard the sounds, and then you see her fall with the special effects of the blood. By the way, as yes. we know, my interest in sound effects has been growing with slashers. Those sound effects of the knife um, in Judith, probably made by slapping some chickens in post-production. Yes. Slapping some chickens. <laughs> what do we have here? So, little Michael Myers. Woo. 
is the killer. His parents just came home and unmasked him. They are in shock. He is standing there holding the bloody kitchen knife. And uh, again, he just murdered his sister, Judith Myers. We did not see any entrance or exit wounds. That's no. one important distinction. That started with Friday the 13th. For sure. Where we see sharp objects entering bodies, exiting bodies, dwelling on wounds. We don't get any of that here. Halloween, it's a little more classy. Oh, it's got some class on <laughs> October 30th, 1978 here. Okay, flash forward 15 years in the future. Little Michael Myers was institutionalized after he committed that murder. So and this is the best part for me because you slowly, slowly start to see the, the inmates um, like that have been released by accident or we don't know why, but all of a sudden there'll be a flash on the side and then more on the other side. And who do we have in this car? Introducing the one and only Sam Loomis, who was assigned to the Myers case. Shortly after that murder happened in the prologue, little Michael Myers was institutionalized at Smith's Grove Sanitarium, and Dr. Loomis was his personal counselor. He tried for years to reach him, and then when he realized he couldn't reach him, he tried for years to keep him locked up because he came to the conclusion that Michael Myers must be pure, unadulterated evil. Um, I say evil, <laughs> which is the only line I do like from New Year's Evil. <laughs> oh, that was a good um, But Loomis is my favorite. He's so resigned. You can see that sadness, that acceptance, though, in his face that he's tried everything possible for yes, Michael. Very, and, very much so. And it hasn't worked. And so he... He's the one who knows him the absolute best in the world. And you can you can read it on his face, though, that he's so conflicted because this is his work and his life. And, and he can't reach this, or he couldn't reach this kid. And he wanted to so much. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of sadness. I see disappointment in himself. Uh, I see conflicting emotions regarding Michael Myers himself. <sighs> and... Dr. Loomis and Michael Myers are going to have a profound connection throughout the entirety of the Halloween series. Absolutely. And did you see that when it, you get the flashes? And look, the inmates are, are loose. They're like out in the field. Yes. So the inmates oh. are having free time out in the yard. They're wearing their hospital gowns. Yes. Oh, and I forgot to say, take note of the, the red rabbit. Uh, lighters or the the matches. Yes, that'll come into play later. So those matches are from a bar called Rabbit in the Red Lounge. Yeah. And now one of the inmates um, just hopped on top of the car. Whoa, hop on pop. Hop on pop. So where did he go? Whoa. There's where he went. Oh no, no, no. And the nurse, oh come on. Oh she can she can beat this though. Come on. Just use them shoes. Use them shoes. Okay, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's going to be at the other window. Boom. Okay. <sighs> Come on. You so, can, yes, get out, get out, get out. Roll, roll, roll. One and of these uh, inmates is hell-bent on stealing this car. 
Um, by the way, she's super lucky. She had an encounter with Michael and escaped right then because his yeah, goal was to get the car and leave. Yes. Yes. So they have officially failed their mission. They went to the sanitarium to transfer Michael Myers somewhere else as part of routine business. And Michael Myers has now stolen their car and has driven off into the night. And I wonder where he's going to go. Now cut to this establishing shot. Oh, I love it. I love Haddonfield. Haddonfield. So this is Haddonfield, Illinois, in a typical suburban neighborhood. Halloween. It is somewhat idyllic and mm -hmm. very typical of the era. So this happens to be Halloween. We're going to see people trick-or-treating, and we're going to see some nice autumn weather. Oh, this to me is the perfect trick-or-treating neighborhood. It really is. Now, like, check out this car right here. Do you know people with kids we could, like, use to go trick-or-treating? <laughs> <laughs> I'll put the word out. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. It'll be a classic uh, series <laughs> of text messages and nothing yeah. else. <laughs> now, All right, Strode. Strode, yes. Strode Realty. And that is Jamie Lee Curtis, Lori oh. Strode. This is Jamie. Lori Strode. She is our protagonist here. Uh, her and Dr. Loomis share that role. Oh, so, it, Jamie Lee will be in it for the next 40 years. I mean, this is like, will. this is a, a classic duo here and extremely epic. It's, it's mythic the way that, because her dad had, is a realtor, uh, Lori is given a key to the Myers place to put under the mat. And I think this is so extremely interesting. You know, if you follow fairy tales, it really reminds me of Bluebeard who keeps his beheaded women in the basement. And Lori here has the key to that house and it binds them, I think, because it, it, is literally something that can gain entrance. So the key that she has, yes, is to the old Myers house. Now, where have we seen this house before? We saw it in the prologue, which became the first example of a Ooh. ubiquitous past event. Amazing, which we talk about as, you know, the past event that then affects our current day plot. And see, she's putting the key under the mat. And um, who might be watching her from behind the door? Look at that. So it appears that Michael Myers has come home. Oh, heck yeah. And he sees Lori for the, for the first time. Yes, she does not see him. And now no. we get something that is as bone-chilling as it is beautiful, Michael Myers in the foreground, Lori in the background, walking away, her back Ooh. is turned Michael Myers. She does not know he's there. As we see them both in the frame, she is singing, Just the Two of Us. Just the Two. Oh, so creepy. Incredible stuff going on here. So now cut back to Smith's Grove Sanitarium. Uh, Dr. Loomis is in hot water here. 
there is his boss, Dr. Wynn. He's wondering why the hell Dr. Loomis let Michael Myers escape. Oh, and, uh, remember that name. We've got to remember yep. Dr. Wynn. Definitely remember Dr. Wynn. He is going to play a huge role in this saga. Oh, he's going to come back in some shiny boots. Possibly the shiniest we've ever seen. <laughs> so definitely keep an eye out. <laughs> yes. For some spurs. And I'm not kidding. <laughs> Those boots are some boots if there ever were boots. Oh now, my God. In the classroom, Lori is in class. Uh, some sort of humanitarian subject is, is happening here. And they're having a literary discussion oh, on the this. concept of fate. Fate. Could it be any more perfect for the connection between Lori and Michael to be in a class? Look, Michael's right there outside of the window. And she's looking at him. And she's hearing a, a passage on fate. And it's like they're fated to be together somehow. Yes. So this was the first time that she actually saw him, by the way. So she has officially seen this ghost-like figure who is staring at her. Oh, and she's and she actually talks in class. She's called on and she's she's saying, "Oh, well fate, you know, is an element." Just like earth, air, fire, water. I mean, it, it's it's really telling us that this is a destiny for her. This is really good plot foreshadowing mm. going on here. Um, I love it. Now we uh -oh. come to the elementary school where little Tommy Doyle is attending. He's got a nice pumpkin and he's excited to go home and carve it. These bullies are bullying him. Which is not cool. The boogeyman. They're scaring him about the boogeyman. Yeah, they're really taunting him, saying the boogeyman's going to get him. Aww. Oh, he looks so teeny. He gives uh. them a witty retort, but unfortunately he's no match for them. No, and he falls at his pumpkin smashes. Oh, I... Ooh. See, this is why I don't want kids. I can't even... Look, look at that, though. Oh, heck look, yeah. Look at that. One of the mean kids ran away and bumped straight into Michael Myers. See, that's why, because I would be that character. I'd be like trying to scare them all. Yeah. If they were bullies. So now we so. have the iconic slow walk. We're being oh, introduced yeah. to it for the first time right now. Michael Myers' calculated cat-like movements. So I'm fascinated by, okay, is he following little Tommy? because he was with Lori or is there some other connection here which I know develops over you know the next 15 years in movies but right here this slow kind of stalking I'm wondering yes. if it's because the connection with Lori or does he see some kind of kinship like does does little Tommy remind him of himself a little bit at that age and oh, and his little look at his little pants. They're oh, he's so teeny. <laughs> little Tommy. So we see him out of the window of the car that Michael Myers is driving, which is a state-issued uh, law enforcement vehicle. 
-hmm. and uh, he's driving it rather well. Oh no! So <laughs> we we wonder who the hell taught this guy how to drive. He's in an insane asylum, and when he gets out, he is the ideal driver. He uses his left and right turn indicators. He stays in his lane. He drives the speed limit. Oh no! I mean, this guy is uh, damn near driver's ed teacher level. Oh, I think so. I think they should actually show this movie in driver's ed. I do as well. <laughs> but I think, I uh, like our roads so would be a hell of a lot safer. Yeah, our roads would be safer with a bunch of Michael Myers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. It's just so, so funny. Every single time you're like, the driving. Yes, I am absolutely fixated on Michael Myers's ability to drive well because oh if this were any other killer being portrayed he would be all sloppy and his movements would be sloppy and he'd probably be swerving all over the place or driving fast but the fact that he drives in such a cool collected manner to me it makes him even more scary because oh I, wonder, I absolutely agree like what's going on in this guy's head how can he drive so well yet he's a stone-cold killer. Yeah, because he's you know? calculated. He's absolutely in control. He's very smart. He knows what to do. And I think that definitely adds to the creep element. Yes. So now we're introduced to our first one of Lori's friends. This is Linda. Linda, totally. It's totally. totally Linda. Oh, wait, we forgot to say the rabbit in red. That was, that was Loomis's clue. Oh, yes. When he was at the payphone just now, he found the matchbook. So he knows that Michael Myers had been there. And that body that we saw was the off-screen kill of the auto mechanic, which is where Michael got his black jumpsuit. <gasps> Linda Laurie. And now we've got our three friends. This is absolutely iconic. We have Laurie, Annie, and Linda. All three of them live in the same neighborhood, and they're all babysitters. Totally. They're all babysitters. <laughs> And the original name of this film was The Babysitter Murders. I'm so glad that that's not what it is. <laughs> Me too. Someone had the brilliant idea to shake a few leaves on the ground and change <laughs> the name to Halloween. Oh, my goodness. And thank uh, God I love Linda. She, she'd so be the airhead character if she weren't so charismatic and fun and just, I love her. Yes. Now look, here comes our oh, drive no. ed instructor. <laughs> no. Here. And and what is he doing? He's sort of looking at the Oh by. my now, god. Did you see his face through the window? Okay, he actually He turned and now he stopped because Annie was yelling and kind of taunting and he stopped. Like, he has to think, should I go back and, like, kill them? Or should I just keep driving? And he keeps driving. That is exactly. so creepy. Everything about that is so creepy. But what I love that I think, you know, sets up Lori as our final girl, our likely girl. She's the one who's been studying. She talks about leaving her book at school. She's reflective. She has some kind of connection to Michael Myers where she's she's like who is he I, you know she feels something intense going on but she doesn't know what and she's the only one questioning it 
Yes, she's definitely become aware that there is this mysterious, scary guy around and that she may or may not have some sort of connection with him. Oh my goodness. I love PJ Souls so much. I just have to say the Linda character and how she's just totally. And yeah, adds a really fun dynamic. But I ha she's the first pigtails, I think. Sometimes in later slashers, like in um, House on Sorority Row, we talk about the full suite of characters. And sometimes pigtails is one of the archetypes of that kind of young-ish, girl-ish uh, vibe. And I think Linda does a great job just being that inherently. She certainly does. I really like this trio of friends here. Me too. And I really like the suspense element. This is one thing we're going to see throughout the film. Okay. There's lots of suspense. Okay, so he's just in the bush. Another Michael Myers sighting. Good God. So one of the things that people love so much is the, the pacing. The fact that he kept going just now, the fact that he keeps walking away, the I fact know. that we we keep being teased. We're like, is something going to happen? Is somebody going to get killed? And the answer is no, actually not for quite a while. Look, he's hiding in the bush, probably. He's actually inside of the bush. Yes. <laughs> like you used to be during Hide and Go Seek. Best place to hide. Thank you very much. Yep. Oh, look at Lori. See, that's the difference right here. She's she's trusting her intuition, and Annie's kind of oblivious. Annie is definitely oblivious. Lori is very in tune with what's going on. She's very aware. She's trepidatious. Oh, did you say that Annie was the potato head hair? Yes, I, I think that we both agreed that Annie is our main contender for the Mr. Potato Head Award. Nice. Because of those curls. Because of those curls. They just bounce completely independent from her head. Yes. <laughs> they have I that bounce. Oh, oh my God, that scared me. <laughs> so a nice jump scare just now. And here we have another one of the main players, uh, somebody that we need to know. This is Sheriff Lee Brackett. It's uh, Annie's dad. Yes, he's also Annie's father. So he is the head law enforcement guy in the city of Haddonfield. And he's, he's not our campy comic relief sheriff either that, that comes up in... Uh, later slasher movies he's, he's just a nice yes. guy we we generally make up funny little nicknames for the yes. cops in these movies like deputy doo-doo deputy jaja <laughs> deputy doohickey <laughs> etc that's a tradition that we have that was born in friday the 13th mm -hmm. when the law enforcement characters became uh satirical yes just Whereas, like the uh, stooges sheriff lee brackett is actually a really cool guy and a, a very important part of the plot. Oh, I love her. And I, so they've all established that they're all going to be babysitting tonight. And Annie and Lori will be across the street from each other. So I think they're planning, planning something. 
with the kids. That's just good old fashioned fun. So they're all going to be babysitting tonight. Oh, look. Another so, sighting uh -huh. of Michael Fox. He was in the clothesline and we got it to reference Friday the 13th, part three, when Jason, it's that, that scene where the woman is looking out the window and Jason is in the clothesline. Yes. A direct homage to this, for sure. Totally. Oh, look! Raggedy Ann and a globe. And, like, perfect final girl room right here. And what appears to be a prank phone call, too, which is a very important part of the entire Slasher legacy. Think about prom night. You know, think oh, about no. Black Christmas. Think about when a stranger calls, for crying out loud, the phone is a very important tool of suspense in these films. Oh, I miss those old phones. Yeah, the rotary phones. I want one. I like yeah, it's so much fun. It's so much so much more fun to to not know who who it is and then be surprised. It's so I miss that element a lot. Yeah. So I love what's happening here because she's so she knows something's wrong. And she's trying to talk herself out of it. Yeah, she officially knows that something is up. She's pondering it. Uh, but she can't let it hold her back. So look, she's got the pumpkin. What else does she have? Um, a collar. Look at that yes. collar. Look at that collar. Look at that collar. Now, every single final girl since has tried to achieve the same legendary status of this collar. Oh, I'd say. But this so, one is, is as wide as it is magical. <laughs> it, it, is, it is as wide as it is magical, now that I think about it. <laughs> and so, this, this is not just a paper airplane collar. I call this the stealth bomber. Okay? Oh, Absolutely. It's this like, it's tall. <laughs> like, yes. It's got, it's got all of its dimensions. It, exactly. It's the dimensional. It's, they were thinking fourth dimensionally. They were thinking fourth dimensionally. So whenever we talk about collars, we do a little segment called Caller ID. <laughs> yeah. And we have successfully identified this collar. Now here comes Annie in a classic automobile, I might add. Oh, I love this car so much. Her and Lori, they're gonna smoke a joint, listen to some Blue Oyster Cult, go on a ride, do a little cruising before they have to babysit. Which would become also, um, funny enough, uh, kind of a trope, like the final girls, they wouldn't be drinking and partying, but smoking is fine. Joint. Yes, yes, the slasher, have always been marijuana friendly mm -hmm. and marijuana has never been portrayed as uh, something that is quote unquote bad. Right, exactly. So the, it's yeah. not part of the group of things that we associate with the hierarchy of morality where you have the quote unquote bad kids partaking in certain activities such as drinking and sex. Yeah. Exactly. And bullying, especially things like bullying or being an asshole, you know. Yeah. You, you generally have the good kids 
quote unquote. And they fly pretty straight, but they all smoke weed. So I think that that's a really interesting dynamic. I love it. Um, so Judith Myers' gravestone, the headstone, has been stolen. Yes, yes. Uh, and so the body has been removed. So Loomis and the grave guy, what is his, <laughs> I forgot his name, the grave guy, find it. And I was so confused the first time that it was the, the headstone. I thought that was the entire plot. And I was like, it's as big as his shoe. What's happening? So I, for some reason, I have some strange like fixation on the, the um, sizes. Hey, Sue? Uh, it cut out real quick. Okay. So I'm back. Yes, you are very into spatial relations. I don't know why. And you, you always have been, and it's fun. So look at this. They're I know. driving around, cruising, and guess who is behind them? Michael Myers is right behind them this whole time, and he's following at a safe distance, I might add, mm. so to avoid a traffic accident. Okay. But listening to Don't Fear the Reaper, you know, the boogeyman, Michael Myers right behind them, genius song choice. It's incredible stuff. So now they have to uh, sober up real quick, <laughs> yeah. have a little chat with Annie's dad. They've uh, been called to one of the local businesses here. I guess there was a burglary. Mm -hmm. now, yeah. He just said they stole a couple of masks. Yep. I wonder who. So, who could that have been? <laughs> we now, wonder. There's something that's going to happen here that I really like. It's going to happen in oh, just no. a little bit. We're going to see Michael Myers in the background stop at the light. <laughs> oh, and no, with the driving. This is just so fascinating to me. Um, not only... Is his driving just incredible? There he is to the oh. left of Sheriff Lee Brackett. That is Michael Myers in that car. And Loomis. He's not in a rush. We've got Dr. Loomis there. Uh, Michael Myers waits for the opening in traffic. <laughs> makes a perfect left turn. Drives, perfect left turn. <laughs> drives right behind Dr. Loomis, which is great stuff oh because Loomis God. doesn't know he's there. I so know. I really like that. But then also from a cinematography perspective i really like how there are different layers on the screen at the same time oh i do too i think you that's know? really fun to have like, like there's we can focus on on so many different things oh yeah you can focus on michael in the background you can focus on the sheriff you can focus on loomis um and it happens right as annie and Lori drive away it's so quick which i love oh yes so at this time, I would like to draw attention to how much these characters are being developed. Mm -hmm. This is extremely important. We already know these people. This is Lori. This is her friend, Annie. Mm -hmm. We're familiar with them. They aren't just nameless, faceless victims of a killer. Oh, no, 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 no. So these are actual people from an actual neighborhood, and we're making a connection with them. This is all part of the brilliant pacing we're building up that suspense look michael myers is still 
following them and still at a safe distance. <laughs> a safe distance. Okay, you with the car. <laughs> I swear to God, with the driving. <laughs> but what I love... Might be the greatest driver I've ever seen. I think definitely in the top five, for sure. <laughs> and the you know, is at night. I like that. I... I really relate to his driving because I try so hard to be a good driver and a lot of people make fun of me. They say because I drive like dr a grandma. You drive 20 miles an hour on the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh That's my God. True. I'm guilty as charged. I put on a song and just cruise and I I'm know you do. smiling and people are honking at me and flipping me off. <laughs> I know. It's always funny though. It's, you drive exactly like this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess... You know what? I guess it did its job for driver's ed. <laughs> yes. Yes. So Michael Myers is my behind the wheel breather. <laughs> oh my God. Oh dear. Well, you know, it keeps, keeps the road safe as you say. <laughs> exactly. So here he is. He can see Annie, but she can't see him because of the angle of that tree right there. Oh, I love this. It's another over-the-shoulder um, kind of meet-and-greet, except the parents don't see him either, which is really interesting, as uh, their uh, daughter will be left with Annie, um, Lindsay, who I love. I think the kids are super cute um, with Lori and Annie. And then Lori was dropped across the street to babysit Tommy. So Michael's really in the middle and has a pretty terrifying um choice you know where yep. is he gonna go first and this is 1978 by the way so uh it's halloween night and pretty much all of the parents in the neighborhood are gonna go out yeah they're going out tonight they're going to fancy dinners there's probably going to be a big band playing at the restaurant probably a little oh, yeah. Glenn miller a little Artie shaw a little duke ellington a little count basie they're they're in that lane you know oh. they're gonna be sipping uh, martinis date night so that the babysitters can come and just you know watch the kids and feed them candy yes oh my god they are inside the myers house the sheriff and loomis they're on the trail to get to michael they certainly are so what we have several different plot elements unfolding at the same time right now and one of them is the pursuit that dr loomis and his newfound ally sheriff lee brackett they are on michael myers's trail they're trying to locate him before he starts killing again Wait, which he uh he hasn't really done yet there was he killed the auto mechanic on the highway but he has not killed a haddonfield resident yet wait but did they say that there was a dog and that it was warm, and Loomis said he got hungry? Yes. So oh, no. That was very indicative, too, of the way that Loomis feels about yep. Michael Myers. He truly believes that Michael Myers is inhuman. Oh, absolutely. I think this is incredibly important, because although we know that Michael Myers is actually a living, breathing human being... Mm -hmm. And and he is here. This is you know Ooh. Halloween one. There there is no hint Jump of supernatural element. No no no. Which I I appreciate about the original that 
you know, whatever comes after, this is not about supernatural elements at all. This is like the boogeyman, the the shadow, you know, the the nameless person who's just stalking you. Yes. So people who are used to the later entries in this franchise, who are used to Michael Myers being able to teleport yeah. and uh, survive being run over by a train and fly and <laughs> uh, decipher Morse code and all of this, yeah. you know, he's just a, a man right now. Right. He's a 21-year-old escaped mental patient made of flesh and blood. Oh, the blackest so. eyes. Loomis has the best description of Michael, though. Just, he spent so many years. That This is so important. He spent the first few years trying to reach him, and then the last few years just trying to keep him away from people. Yes. As Dr. Loomis goes into his head to explain to the sheriff why he is so obsessed with finding Michael Myers, he drops a couple of the greatest lines of mm -hmm. this film. Yeah, and one so of them is when he describes Michael Myers as having the blackest eyes. I love that. The blackest There's... eyes. And, and, and the reason why this scene is so powerful to me is because as he says that, Dr. Loomis's eyes themselves are very black. I thought so too. I was just going to say that. It's yes. really interesting as a mirror, but also the way that he sounds so defeated though he's just he's like we have to find this person you don't understand what he's capable of because you haven't spent the years with him that i have you know he's he's really trying to reach the sheriff because it seems like annie's dad is not a total believer yes definitely there's some skepticism here and uh, Dr. Loomis has no time for that because he's developed an obsession and it is mm -hmm. now his life's mission to either yeah. capture or kill or otherwise neutralize what he believes to be the ultimate threat, which is Michael Myers being free. He, he does not want him to be free because he does not believe that he can be rehabilitated. Right, exactly. And that's very important. Okay, can I please point out <laughs> the cut? to Lori when she answers the phone and it's Annie <laughs> across the street. They cut to her and she's laughing. She's so high. <laughs> it's the cutest yeah. thing. It's the cutest thing that they left in because clearly something was going on. And then it goes back to just, you know, normal. But the news is going to be about Ben Tramer, I think. What do you think? Yay! So Lori has a crush on a guy named Ben Tramer who goes to their high school, and Annie is currently trying to hook her up with him. And, and I agree that was a really cute scene. We we just <laughs> we caught uh, Jamie Lee Curtis giggling at something off camera, mm -hmm. and they left it in. And there are lots of scenes in this movie that are ad libbed. Oh, I love that. So they go off script a lot of the time. For example, the entire conversation that happened between Lori and Annie in the car ben was Tramer. unscripted. I love it. Look, Tommy sees the boogie band. Tommy, so the kids, that's something you know else that's really important. The, the kids are able to see him 
two and usually are the ones to be trusted and not the adults. Definitely. So Tommy knows he has proof positive that someone is out there and it's not good. And now look at this. We have another instance of the lights being on inside of the house while it's dark outside. And thus you can see inside, but they can't see you. That's very powerful stuff. Oh, and it, Michael's there. This is what made me want to close the blind. Oh, absolutely. I'd say, look at look at him. He's staring right into the kitchen and breathing like a creeper. I mean, this is just terrifying. And Annie has to change because she spilled butter all over her clothes, I think, because she's making popcorn. Ah, something broke outside. See, okay, I have a question. Did Michael yes. break it on purpose? Yes. He, okay. His right hand, he, he reached up and he broke the plant to attract her attention so that she might come outside. Oh, no. Now, oh. it's been spotted. Michael Myers has been spotted by a German shepherd. Oh, you know how I feel about this. I draw the line at dog. Yeah, he's going to uh, probably kill the dog. Yeah, don't and do that. It is right there. I. It's like, you know what? Take out the football team, but leave the dog. <laughs> or you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. And so, so like the football players union is calling. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> they you want know, to speak to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh I'd rather have the dog. Oh, uh, so that's that's when I know he's up oh, to yeah. no good. We uh we always feel a little bit more for the animals. Well, yeah, they're innocent. They are innocent, which is a beautiful thing about well, animals. Look, they're watching The Thing. So, they're watching The Thing. This is really fun, classic stuff. John Carpenter is uh, including a little homage to himself. Noise. I love it. How fun is that? Uh, he's also directing our attention towards classic cinema that he likes and which influenced him because of course he remade the thing yes and that's where he really made a name for himself right now oh, we've got a lot of lighting and colors going oh, on oh no the yellows and the oranges and the 70s that have exploded into this room you mean yes <laughs> it is a sheer explosion of the 70s. <laughs> it is. I don't even know what's happening with the curtains and the couch and the floor. They're all different shades of orange. Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> yes, the colors in the room range from organic carrots. Yes. To redheaded stepchild. Oh my. <laughs> Absolutely, they do. <laughs> I love it so much. Ah! And that's the creepiest of all. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. All right. Oh, so amazing. Somebody's outside. Now we see him. Excellent shot right here. More more good visuals. Oh, Lots God. of shadows. I love when there's the Michael behind something. So behind the curtain, you know, and it's sheer so you can actually see the mask. 
but he's still behind the door because Annie has to come out to the back house, I guess, and do laundry. And and meanwhile, you know, while Lori and Tommy are watching the thing. Oh, it's so unfair. Now look at those appliances. Look at the banana colored appliances. I love it. Shout out the to Tide, apparently. Class classic yellow and brown washer and dryer. I wonder if Tide sponsored Halloween. I wonder as well, and you know, I wouldn't doubt it because <laughs> really they go hand in hand. I think so. You know, it's like doing laundry on Halloween night. Yes. Which yes, I know I do. like to do. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, look. Look, you can see him again at the other uh, door. So this is what I love, especially in this first Halloween. The time. He is not just going into the, you know, into the room and killing Annie. That's not what this is about. He is stalking. He is, you know, from different angles, from different perspectives, from different rooms. It's so creepy. And I think that tension, the suspense, to me, makes it better. It makes it so much better. It has been a very long time since we've had an on-screen kill. Oh, for sure. In fact, it has been since the first five minutes of the movie. This is oh, great right. stuff. This is not a body count film. No, 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 no. You know, this is not one of those gratuitous violence things. This isn't sleazy. It's not gory. Uh, it's brilliant pacing and suspense. It is cinema, <laughs> you might say. Exactly. This is cinema. You know what oh I mean? My goodness. Also, oh. Citizen Who. I love it. Look at Annie. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say? The way that she's stuck in the window. Ah, uh, yes. I believe you pointed out last time that it was reminiscent of Winnie the Pooh. Okay. It was exactly Winnie the Pooh stuck in the rabbit's cave window eating the honey. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was so that, and I love it. Yes, <sighs> which I believe you also pointed out was a metaphor for globalism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that if nothing else, Halloween really teaches us how to love our fellow man. I agree. And <laughs> one thing that we have to point out here is that Annie seems to be wearing a final girl shirt, but don't be fooled because well, she has no pants. First, yeah. First of all, she's not wearing any pants. <laughs> okay. And second of all, she has one button too many unbuttoned. Oh, well, you can't be a final girl with no pants. You can't be a final girl with no pants. Okay. <laughs> Put that on the record. Notarize it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Feel it, deliver it. Let's say it one more time for emphasis. <laughs> you can't be a final girl with no pants. So get your pants on. <laughs> In fact, we should put that on the, the website. That's an old Ange quote. Oh, no. <laughs> that is, that's good stuff right there. That's like stone tablet material. Well, I think that the final girl is worthy of a stone tablet. 
I do as well. <laughs> oh my goodness. Remember when I thought that the Jolly Time popcorn was called Pop and Fresh? <laughs> well, it should have been called Pop and Fresh. <laughs> that is really catchy. I think it should. We should obviously make the Pop and Fresh popcorn. Yes, I believe that is our purpose. <laughs> it should be. Oh my God, Pop and Fresh. By slash. Oh, look, he popped up. Oh, he popped okay. up. Right said that. See? So it's that's the commercial. It's meant to be. It is meant to be. So we've got Annie bringing Lindsay over to see Tommy. They've got the bowl of popcorn. Lindsay and Tommy are going to hang out now so that Annie can go make Whoopi. With her boyfriend. Uh, whose name is Paul. Paul. Wait a second. Oh, right. It's Linda's boyfriend. I can never remember the name. Bob. Bob. And I can't, I don't know why I always forget the easiest name ever. Yes. <laughs> Bob. Which is really funny to me. <laughs> I need to just call him Bobby. Because otherwise I forget. Well, let's call him Bobby then from now on. Oh my goodness. See, I lo look how much they're interacting as well. Yeah, there's lots of character development here. We really start to care about these people. I'm already invested in their friendship. Mm -hmm. I'm invested in them as individuals. I am invested in the contrast of their personalities and lifestyles. Yes, absolutely. There's so much going on here. And I think the most important thing is that Michael Myers has established contact with them. Mm -hmm. But again, there still hasn't been a kill for a long, long time. So we oh, get it's these, coming. We get these sequences <gasps> oh, where he God. identifies someone and watches them for a while before he makes his move, making it that much more effective when he finally does make that move. Okay, when Annie walks to the car because she's going to go pick up her boyfriend, her song is amazing. Oh, Paul. And then the car's locked. No keys, but please, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing that to this day, whenever I'm walking to the car to unlock it, I start singing, oh, Paul. Yes. Yes. You <laughs> love singing, oh, Paul. Of all the things in my life. Oh, Paul. You've been singing Oh Paul since No Paul. I, that's so true. <laughs> Absolutely. Ever since Callie, like, I, it's stuck in my head of every movie we've watched. For some reason, it's this. And she didn't notice, by the way, that the car was unlocked this time yes, when she came back. I really approve of your singing. <laughs> and. She gets into a car oh. with fogged up windows, and check this out, the killer is in the back seat. Oh, Jesus. Now, some, some people might say that this is a, a trope or a stereotype, mm -hmm. the killer in the back seat, but that's only because it started here. And listen to the breathing. That's the creepiest part for me. Listen to the breathing. He is so collected. That's the thing. He is the most fascinating duality he is simultaneously 100% collected and completely brutal. And we we know that he used the knife, but we don't see it. Exactly. That was a very classy 
version of a kill scene. Uh, for the record, there was not one drop of blood in that scene, and no. they pulled it off. That was impactful, again, because we've been following Annie for so long. Her character no. has been so well developed. I'm so sad. We've we've gotten invested <sighs> in and now she's gone. So that's our first one of the three babysitters. And we know that Linda and her boyfriend were headed over to party with Annie and her boyfriend, Paul. So yes. now let's see what happens. Oh my God, Tommy's trying to scare Lindsay. Oh, that's really fun. That's adorable. But oh, look what he sees. Look what he sees though. So he looks out the window. He sees Michael Myers carrying Annie's body into the house. The creepiest thing. See, he knows the boogeyman. I love it. Oh my god, the kids. Okay. The kids scare each other. What cutie pies. And how selfless is Lori? She's just like, yeah, I'll watch Lindsay for you so you can go mess around. Well, because she doesn't have Ben Tramer. Exactly. And everyone should remember that name, Ben Tramer, for part two. Oh, Ben We're finally going <laughs> to see some Ben Tramer in part two. Oh, Ben. It's quite the scene. Oh, oh my God. Look, the candles are orange, too. I'm not that big a fan of Ben Tramer myself. Yeah, who is? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to meet them. Yeah. And not just because he was a romantic rival for Lori's hand. A romantic rival. <laughs> God. Amazing. So, of course, you hated Ben Tramer. I see. Always hated Ben Tramer. I see. Yep. Oh, we're coming up to the scene. Okay, so, like, the kids. Loomis is still at the Myers house tracking uh, Michael. And he sees that kids are going to dare each other to go inside because it's Halloween. Oh, I... And Loomis is like definitely not wanting that to happen. So he calls to them from behind the bush. Uh, but what I love it is this is the this is the shot, hey Sue. That's my reface that I sent you with my face on Loomis's head. <laughs> you, you sure did. You sure did. And I took one look at that thing and I said, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> No. Where did you that go? Was so weird. I have no idea. I was talking about Loomis and refacing. <laughs> yeah, because it was a Tuesday and I sent you a reface. I uploaded it to Instagram for anybody who's interested. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Some pretty amazing stuff there. And always fun to see one of your classic refaces. I try to do it with the theme of the movie. <laughs> Yes, you do. And you tend to send me them at three o'clock in the morning. I do. Which it's always fun to sort of roll over <laughs> and 
check my phone and see my sister's face on Dr. Loomis. <laughs> so, like, really, there's no preamble to it. I will send it without anything. <laughs> like, yep. That's my favorite. So, that's really fun stuff. Now, Linda. I would like to talk just a little bit about Dr. Loomis and his personality because I think people miss his fun side, which he just showed us. Oh, yeah, he did. Are you kidding me? He was he gleeful. Serious, serious fun when he scared those kids. Yeah. For a while, we saw a hint of, of innocence hiding b beneath all of that world oh, weariness. I know. It's heartbreaking. It really is because you can tell that his association with mm -hmm. Michael Myers has completely ruined him as a person. Oh, so it's defined his life. Um, yeah. So now we have Pigtails, Linda, and her boyfriend coming into Annie's house um, with the beer. And I just have to say, Linda's shoes are so, they're so high. How short is she? Good Lord. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's like Jamie Lee Curtis's height with those huge platform shoes on. Oh, yeah, for sure. She's really short. It's so funny to me. So that's another thing that I don't know why will just like take my attention. <laughs> oh, from the fact that Michael Myers is inside of the house watching them make out. And what does this remind us of? The very beginning of the movie when he was watching his sister. It certainly does. So these shots that we get through the eyes of Michael Myers as he's just watching people do things. There is a voyeuristic element to Halloween. We are essentially spying on people, which is very scary stuff because one of the things that define the real life serial killers of this era is that they would be outside in the dark looking into the lit houses through the windows. That's so creepy. And especially considering Lori is here with the two kids and she's yes. all sweet. And, you know, she called herself a Girl Scout. Like, she's really trying to take care of these kids. Very maternal with them. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and her little apron. Oh, yeah, Doyle. <laughs> Wait, what was I calling him? I forgot. Did you have some fun nickname for him? So Tommy Doyle. I was calling him Tommy Jarvis by oh, accident. Oh, of the other famous Tommy from Slasher movies. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Little Tommy Jarvis from the Friday the 13th series. Yeah, exactly. That's so funny. Oh, my goodness. Okay, and once again, the furniture set up in the Doyle residence. Right, exactly. All of those colors, ranging from orange Julius to the flames of hell. Jeez, that's a good turn. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of oranges. Oranges on top of oranges. Wait, but Jarvis is FTT4? Yes. 
Okay. Everybody needs to watch that movie. <laughs> I have, and then you need to watch Siskel and Ebert's review. And go listen to uh, Slashers and Suits episode zero. Yep. That was a fun one. All right. So Linda and Bobby. And Bobby. Oh my, I literally just forgot his name again. No, you What is that. happening? I don't know. I've never understood it. <laughs> it's like, it's Bob. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So Linda and Bob. <laughs> You're going to have to point something out here too. So there seems to be... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to best approach this. So there seems to be a universal uh, epidemic of um, premature ejaculation in... In the Haddonfield boyfriends. Yes. Two seconds so, and, later. And also in, in slasher movies as a whole, we see this a lot. We see this a lot. We have these sex scenes that last 17 seconds. And it's so funny to me. It's like you could just cut away. You know what I mean? And right. then come back and like pretend the time has passed. That's the funniest thing to me. But did you see Michael's shadow? I did. I did blink and you miss it. Uh-huh. So Michael Myers is in the house with them. And they still don't know. And and how long has he been in here? A hell of a long time. The whole time, I think. Yes, he's been in here the whole time that they've been in here. So yeah. again, the suspense. We're building up the suspense. This is great stuff. Now we're invested in Bob and Linda. You know, we've moved on. It's fun to look in, at this movie in terms of arcs, right? So we had the Annie arc. Right. And now we've got the Linda arc, and then later we're going to have the Lori arc. Uh-oh. I'm nervous for Bobby Boy because he's alone in the dark downstairs. And what do we know when teens go off alone? They get killed. Oh my god, and we heard the door open. Yes. Perfect timing for that also, other door to open. Silence too mm -hmm. in the soundtrack. So this is good stuff. Yes, absolutely. So I'm at the edge of my seat wondering what the hell is gonna happen. Oh god, Bobby. He's looking for a beer. Is the beer in here? No. Nope. It's Michael. It is Michael. Oh, Bobby boy. I listen to that breathing again. Of Michael. So we've, got, we've got the breathing, we've got good the god. Uh, the notes on the synthesizer really punctuating what's yeah. going on here. And Seriously. we have another bloodless kill scene. Ooh, Look this, at this one is crazy, though. We've got the sound effect of it, and then the silence with just the breathing Michael staring at what he's just done. He pinned Bob to the door and he does his signature head tilt for the very first time he looks to the right he looks to the left and i'd like to think that that is something that he brought over from driving school oh yes of course when you're at an intersection you want to look mm -hmm. left or look right so you, you do. Want to do the same thing when you pin someone to a door yep you do i think 
that that was really the message there was that keep the driving skills sharp at all times. At all times. <laughs> Even when you're so, pinning Bobby Boy <laughs> to the pantry. Sheesh. Now now we have something that... Oh, jeez. The glasses. has forgotten about Michael glasses. Myers' character. Oh, God. No one talks about this, so we'll go ahead and do it. Look at this. He so killed silly. Bob. <laughs> he put a sheet over his head and then put Bob's glasses on. He poked eye holes in the sheet too. Oh, he poked eye holes in it. Look at the links that he's going to to play games with Linda right now. He's just completely messing with her. He's the pretending glasses. to be Bob. <laughs> he's not saying anything. So when when we sit here and sort of imagine him putting on those glasses, that's another one of those character things like this guy there's something going on in his head but we'll never fully oh be aware my of it god the way that he just slow walks to her as a ghost and it's halloween like was he thinking oh it's halloween she'll never know i'll just dress up as a ghost like was that an actual sensical thought i think it was and then look at this Oh, I know. The the telephone cord around Linda. By the way, another bloodless um, kill. Another bloodless kill. It oh, is so funny to hear people talk about Halloween and you can tell that they've never seen it. Oh, absolutely. You can tell because they, they call it gory, you know? Oh, look, Michael and Lori are on the phone together. Like, he picked up the receiver. When Linda called Lori, powerful. and very. it was like they were connected for the first time. Yes. Oh, it's so crazy. So, let's all remember that. Let's all remember that Lori and Michael Myers have some sort of connection. That's the connection. <laughs> yes. Oh, see, and now... She is starting to wonder what's going on. So we don't have the final girl sequence just yet. But pre-activation. Yes, pre-activation when, you know, she actually becomes like the survivor. But we do have that first inkling of what's going on. My friends aren't answering. The lights went out in the house across the street. And so yes. we have that that first kind of um thought you know for Lori of of something's going on here and i'm gonna figure out what it is and exactly. that leads to the sequence the inkling so yes. the inkling is step one then you have pre-activation then you have activation mm -hmm. and then you have sequence sequence oh and here so, we have loomis no one uh, will ever say that we have not broken these things down <laughs> yeah that was so much wow but loomis spots the car that was stolen finally so he's he's definitely closing in on michael and the girls well now just Lori, but at least he's getting closer to being able to find out where he is and can possibly you know help we don't know yet what the ending will be but he's close okay so as dr loomis just recognized the state issued vehicle that was stolen from him much mm -hmm. earlier in the film, 
he now officially knows what's happening. He knows about where Michael is. And we have something that only happens in this movie, which mm -hmm. is a dual activation. Oh, heck so yeah. Two characters that are entering the activation sequence at the same time. Both Lori and Dr. Loomis have had their first inkling. And Loomis, we get that generational thing that you like, that Loomis had the knowledge of Michael for the past 15 years, and he's carrying that to our new, you know, generation. And this is starting. I mean, she's walking towards the house where Annie and Lindsay were, and uh, I think she's going to find something out, so... Super fascinating how her walk in a in a, just a little way mirrors Michael's like that really slow, determined pacing right now. It certainly does. They share that trait. Yeah. Very very fascinating. So what so is it between? I wonder them? why they both have that trait, and perhaps they have other things in common. Ooh. So, you mean people should stay tuned? People should definitely stay tuned. We're going to be doing Halloween too. And uh, some of this stuff is going to get explained. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> A very different vibe. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, so. Oh, here she goes. Here she's going to go into the house. Getting very, very close here to our wonderful sequence oh my god Lori knows yeah she does know gone horribly wrong that's the thing like her intuition has been spot on since the beginning of the movie when she first felt Michael's presence yes. and it's it's not doubt I don't think but it's just it's like an inability to really put everything together but she needs to trust herself, like, and that's why she's curious and she's investigating. You know, she's yes. actually acting on that intuition and going into the house, which is another final girl attribute. Yeah, she's being proactive here. Mm -hmm. She's really trying to use her mental faculties to figure out what the hell is going on and maybe save the day. It's a lot of courage on her part, even oh, though, scared. oh, it's amazing. And, and it, it's not like she's, you know, she has everything to confront Michael Myers or anything, but just as she is, she is willing to enter the house. And that's what I love so much. It's not like she's armed, but she's just going and she's going for it. She is a trooper here. So as she walks through the dark house, what is she going to find? And the suspense just never lets up. Are you proposing? Yes. I'm damn close. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm close. You better just get ready. Because there's going to be a wedding. <laughs> a wedding. <laughs> um, by the way, did you see those 
the Quaker Oats in the kitchen? Yes, I did. So I wonder if Quaker is another... Like, it's going to be Quaker and Tide, I think. As, and Jiffy Pop. And Jiffy Pop. Pop and Fresh. <laughs> and the Blue Oyster Cult. That's right. These are the sponsors. <laughs> we got a, a lot of uh, sponsorship. God, that'd be so funny. Like, the takeaways from Halloween would be Jiffy Pop and Quaker Oats. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I think that perhaps they saw something in this film that they could relate to. For example, <laughs> the way that oats become activated. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, when, you know, on the heat, like, the heat's rising and they're activated into something else in similar fashion. You know, the heat is on for Lori, and she becomes activated as Final Girl. Exactly. So Lori <laughs> must be oatmeal. Oh my god. Pop so, and fresh. Channeling her inner oatmeal. And pop and fresh. What? Pop and, pop and fresh <laughs> makes sense as well. Because of the way that one thing becomes another. It's Not so unlike true. the way the tone of the film radically shifts. As it is right now, we have pre-activation of uh. visual. Uh, which means that the final girl has seen something that she yep. can't unsee. Nope. She has officially discovered the body of one of her friends. So we've reached a point of no return here. She's not quite activated because she's still in shock. Whoop. Okay, she's seen body number two let out one of the best screams oh, in movie scream history. Queen. Scream That's why queen. They call Jamie Lee Curtis the scream queen. Listen to these screams. They reach decibels that no one else can reach. You couldn't you couldn't recreate this in a sound lab. Those are her vocal cords. Listen to those pipes. Oh, she's a scream queen forever. And the booby traps, the skills of Michael. Yes, he has rigged the bodies in the room to materialize right when Lori comes near them. Ah, <gasps> oh, she falls down the stairs. So the amazing how Michael appears out of the darkness in the door. But again, he's not in a rush. Lori no. falls, but he's very slowly approaching her. And she's wounded. I think she twisted her ankle. Um, he got a little swipe in at her shoulder, but she is definitely, you know, not just going to succumb. Not at all. This is really good stuff here. So we already had the Annie arc. We had the Linda arc. We're now on the Lori arc. But... Lori doesn't seem like she's going to have the same fate because she's a fighter and she is officially activated as of right now. The second yes, she, she got up after she fell down, oh, boom, she became activated. She's now determined like something's yes. gonna happen. Uh, but see, right here, he could kill her if he wanted to by running. And Look at how classic. Oh. We, we, got the, we got the killer with the knife. And we got Lori. Amazing. It's and great, great stuff. She punches through the door to unlock it and get out. I mean, yes. do what you have to do. And she's injured, <laughs> by the way. She's injured. Oh, yeah, she's injured. But nobody cares. She's screaming, help me. And none of the neighbors care at all. So I, I thought that this part was brilliant because it happens to be Halloween. Yeah. And, 
everyone is known for drunken shenanigans and pranking on right. Halloween. So even though she's screaming bloody murder for real, the neighbors have no way of knowing that. And so right. they're right stock as a prank. And so oh she's, my God. she's even more alone tonight. Oh, absolutely. Everyone has, has fallen away. And she's running back to the kids because Tommy and Lindsay are still sleeping. They're still in the house. Oh, the yeah. keys! And I'd also like to point out that we, we have met Annie's father, but we have not seen any other parents other oh, than yeah. Lori's dad for one second at the beginning when he went to work. But um, that's going to become a thing in slashers. The, the parents are nowhere to be found. My God. And look at this, Michael, just the slow walk up to Lori and she can't find the keys. The keys. I love how she says that. Yes. Lori is doing some spectacular vocalizing right here. As Tommy, Tommy open the door. Comes down to the door, opens it just in oh, time. Come on, Tom. Oh my God, the boogeyman. Yep, the boogeyman's here. Michael oh my Myers God. now right outside. Right outside. He seems to have cut the phone lines too. Oh my God, but the, there was one door open uh -oh. around, around the corner. And then look at this lighting. Look at some of these visual effects. L look at this cinematography here. It, it sort of conveys a psychedelic Alice in Wonderland vibe. I love it. Mixed with uh, a little Nosferatu and some cabinet oh. of Dr. Caligari. Oh, look what she did. And she sticks a knitting needle Heck into yeah, she does. his neck. Because that is our final girl. I mean, whatever is nearby, you use. And you at least try. And look, she has this knife now. Yes. Popping up from the couch. Oh, amazing. And he's down on the ground. Don't you let that knife go, Lauren. Oh, God. Oh, she thinks it's over. Whoa, get up, get up more visual work here mm -hmm. so they're filming her from the staircase looking down mm -hmm. and they're creating such stark contrast in the lighting mm -hmm. which, uh, makes for a very beautiful movie experience just one of the many things i love Ooh, look at that huge tree behind limus yeah that is a huge <laughs> for sure just saying Hey, and Loomis has got his trench coat. I know, I love this. We do love that trench coat, always have. Um, so he's got his brown suit underneath. And oh, I love it. He is also activated, just like Lori's activated. Of course. So oh, he is, he's, he's been ready. He has been ready. So they're, it's all going to come to a head, right? Loomis and Lori have had zero interaction. My God. They don't uh, know each other at all. Oh, the little babies. Thrust into this saga together. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they become the dream team. They become the Inspector Gadget and Penny. 
They truly do. Oh my god. The Ooh, boogeyman's right behind quote. you! Classic quote from Little Tommy. You can't kill the boogeyman. Heck no! He's right behind you! Oh, but she's just trying to protect the little kitties. Oh my god. Oh my god. And he's right behind her. Wait! Where'd the kids go? Oh my god. They ran. Out of the house. How? She Wait, what's going locked on? herself in the closet. Oh my god. She's so smart though. She's It's anything, again, anything that you can find. She found, you know, a, a belt or something to loop the door handles to lock them from the inside. And even though Michael's gonna try to knife through it, it's still an amazing idea. It's uh, MacGyver, basically. Yes, she's being extremely resourceful. He knows she's in there. Mm -hmm. He's rattling the door. Uh, again, the suspense, it's mm. bone filling. It's, it's almost difficult to talk through it because it's such a heavy vibe. It's very, very powerful. Yeah. I would encourage everyone to watch this movie again uh, on full volume. Oh my god. Okay, when he turned the light on, like my eyes had to adjust. That's how dark the movie has been for the last little while. That was like shocking. That was a hell of a contrast. So here he is inside of the closet. She's got a hanger. Oh, oh heck yeah. Oh, she, yeah. Uh, she unbent the hanger too. Oh, pow. Right into the kisser. Take the knife. Now, I believe she just took out one of his eyes. <gasps> and she stabbed so, him. Yeah, she she took out his eye. Oh, my God. He's, he's down for the count. So did she <sighs> finally kill him? So we already thought he was dead once. Well, fool me once. Come on, Lori. Don't. Don't let him fool you. Look at him. So he's laying there. I know. Right? He's motionless on the ground. Now she has oh, to. Jesus. She has to walk past him somehow. She's got his kitchen knife. Mm -hmm. Which, what she just did right there, she probably shouldn't have done. She no. threw away the kitchen knife. Don't drop the knife. I mean, geez, Louise. She threw away the kitchen knife. We'll give her a pass because she's so emotionally distressed. Oh, right there now. is the kids. They were, where the, did she lock oh, them in they, a, a closet They locked or themselves something? in the room. Oh, she shoved them into the. Okay, so they were in the bedroom. Okay. Awesome. See, it, the kids have such importance in these though. So oh, now I'm... their job is to go alert the authorities and Lori is just completely exhausted. She's trying to process the fact that she just fought for her life. She's sort of uh, leaning oh, against the door noise. frame, assessing. Oh, and look the at sit that. up. The sit up, the legendary sit up. So Michael Myers just did a full sit up mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. the head tilt. So he looked directly at Lori. She doesn't yet know that he's still alive. Oh he's my God. I'm... Stealthy. Loomis knows. Loomis finally, because the kids ran out of the house screaming, Loomis finally understands. Yes. There's Michael. 
So look at this stealth. Would you agree that this guy has stealth? Are you kidding me? The shape? Of course. Would you say that he has a wealth of stealth? Oh, no. <laughs> now, oh, God. got her. Oh, here got we her. go. Oh, my God. So this is such an important scene because we see something. If you know look what I mean. Look at that. She pulled his <gasps> mask off and we get oh, a full look at him. face shot. Oh. We get a full face shot. Loomis. Dang, Loomis coming through with the teeny little gun. What is that called? Here comes Dr. Loomis to the rescue. So yes. right, right when Lori was in some very serious trouble, Dr. Loomis comes in. He's got a 38 special. Yeah. Oops. Michael Myers six times with a 38 caliber bullet. And Down. Out. Michael Myers. Is, over the porch is dead for all on, purposes on the ground and oh my favorite thing was that the boogeyman Lori asks as a matter, as a matter of, of fact, fact it, it was. was oh Loomis oh my god and then the final shot I mean scene Michael's gone he's not on the floor Oh my, I'm on the ground. That's so creepy. Just staring out. Oh, look at this. Look at Lori's face. Look at Lori's face. Oh, she she's, knows. oh, she Ooh. knows. She knows he's gone. Loomis didn't even say anything. No, she knows. She fell. 40 years later, he's still going to be gone. <laughs> Michael Myers Whew. somehow oh. survived. He survived and he ran away. He's gone. Oh, but look at this. It goes from Loomis to the theme full on. We hear the breathing and we go back scene by scene. Uh, cut to the house. Cut to the stairs. Cut to the living room. And the original Myers place. And boom. Uh, that's Halloween, folks. It Incredible stuff. We've got a montage of shots featuring places that have been featured prominently in the film. Cut to the credits. Michael Myers is still alive. He's still out there. He is He's still, still out there. there. The boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love FDT1, folks. Yes. The boy is still out there. He is still out there. There is no closure. There is no closure at all. So... The shape, shout out Nick Castle. I love his movement. Yeah, which we actually did not elaborate on that entire time, which is well, a little bit best because um, it's complicated stuff. You know, Michael Myers is, appears in this movie as a child, mm -hmm. but then once he is an adult, he is referred to only as the shape. Right. He's referred to as a shape. So we're calling him Michael Myers because we have that uh, familiarity with him. We know him. Well, so yeah. we call him by his name. We know that it's Michael Myers from the beginning, from when he was a kid. Yes. But he's the shape because he's the boogeyman. It's Halloween. And, oh, I just love that he's, it's slow and calculated in this first movie. And it's, his movements change over time. 
they certainly do and and so in all subsequent films he will literally be the super slasher known mm-hmm. as michael myers but in halloween one he is simply the shape he is a cat like mm-hmm. stealthy ghost like figure who is barely there at all you don't see him until it's too late blink and you miss him he's creeping around i mean the amount of screen time that mm, they gave him yeah. was perfect that's what i'm saying everybody oh perfect. that was amazing um i mean just really a perfect film of cinema um that would provide a template for others you know ftt really honing in on those plot points uh past event final girl uh you know tying it all together at the end yes caller etc etc um but what is your rating are you gonna are you gonna just say it or are you gonna say why well i loved everything about this movie there is really nothing that i can complain about i truly enjoyed the pacing i enjoyed the suspense i enjoyed the setting i felt like i was living in haddonfield for that time it made me yeah i really love haddonfield as well and especially on halloween day i really got nostalgic about trick-or-treating me too i was i was about to ask for some kids i mean you know I know. Trick-or-treating. Oh, you were about to ask for some kids. <laughs> no, you know. <laughs> I mean, it says it all. <laughs> so you loved this movie. You loved this movie. Oh, I love this movie. Are you kidding me? Yes. You really did. Now, we, we got onto our, like, uh, nostalgic trip, which is a really good sign. That shows you yes, that course. this movie has some sort of magic to it. It really mm-hmm. takes us to a really fun place. And I think that it's not only us. In no, fact, be. what makes this movie so great is the fact that it, it isn't us. It's actually everybody. W- when we watch these movies, if you are over 30 years old, mm-hmm. then it is 100% guaranteed that you remember things like trick-or-treating. Yeah. You know, you remember things like babysitting or being babysat. Oh, absolutely. Um... And you've you have been babysat, and I believe that you've also done some babysitting. Uh, yes, I have. And I remember watching Halloween, the edited version, in the marathons that used to play on TV. Yes. Yes. They used to come on TV all the time in October. Yes. Like the all whole the month. And that's kind of where we first took notice of these. Yeah. They would come on TV. They would come on TNT. TNT, that's right. It was yes. always TNT. Oh my god, that was so much fun. Yeah. So oh, fun. We when we watch these, we go back to our childhood. We go back to a more innocent time. Mm-hmm. We go back to something that was incredibly fun and a shared experience. Something that was universal. Yes. Uh, here. In, in this country, in the 70s, 80s, and into the 90s, there were certain things that were very, very sacred, especially if you were a young person. 
things that give you butterflies in your stomach because they were so magical and caused you to look forward to them all year. And, and chief among those things was Halloween night and the act of putting on a costume, throwing on a mask, and going around having adventures and getting candy. Yes, it's my so favorite thing. It is, it is quintessentially American, this mm -hmm. movie, which is one of the things that makes it so culturally important. Oh, I think so too. It is a horror film that takes place on a major American holiday. Nice. Thus, really uh, creating something that everyone who watches it can relate to and remember. I think it was a very good move to change this movie from the babysitter murders into a movie called Are Halloween. Are you kidding me? That's the best move I've ever heard of. <laughs> that one thing alone radically transformed the energy. And kudos to whoever made that call. Right. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Um, I think there's definitely the element of nostalgia. And also, I keep finding new things because I've, you know, my focus is on something else every time we watch this. And so it was really fun to see finally, like the couple, <laughs> the very, very beginning. And I always find something new to appreciate about Lori. Yes. Lori is spectacular. I love her. <laughs> it, it cannot be overstated. Lori Strode, the ultimate final girl. Right. The godfather of final girl. Yay. I mean, she is absolutely incredible. It is profound. The way that oh, she handles that character. It is it is completely unbelievable. She was tailor-made for this role. She really was. This movie would not have been even half this good with anyone else in that role. She's so natural. The scenes with Lori and Tommy just on the couch, you know, watching a movie or whatever, it's so natural. It just seems so effortless and, and real, realistic. It really does. I, I think that there are many things in this movie that all had to come together. And I think mm -hmm. that if you took any of them away, mm -hmm. that this movie would lose so much of its power. Oh, I agree. I really and do. I think we we talked a lot about the, uh, you know, what went into this at the beginning with um, the change in not just culturally, you know, cultural shifts and, and kids being left alone more. Uh, but I think that Halloween captures that kind of lonely feeling. It, it really does. And... Also, I'd like to mention Dr. Loomis, because that's another big case oh. of if anyone else had played that role, it would not have been this special. Oh, he's it. He wears it on his face and it's it's heartbreaking. It's so good. And the oh, and then the music. It's so just amazing. He was actually retired at the time. This is this is really fun. Uh, Donald Pleasant was quite the successful British actor uh -huh. for many years during the classic era and uh, really reached his height as a character named Number One. Nice. The original Bond villain. Awesome. The original Bond villain from the Sean Connery era. You have Donald Pleasance 
as the evil mastermind. Oh my goodness. And then, so, well, <laughs> who better to understand pure evil than the evil mastermind? Exactly. I love Here it. So in 1978, it's about 12 or 13 years later. And mm -hmm. now we have an aging Donald Pleasant as like the ultimate complicated good guy. Oh my God. He's so defeated, but he's determined at the yes. same time. And he's, he's conflicted. I think a part of him still wants to help, even though he knows that there's, there's no use in it because Michael's beyond help. There's, there's nothing that can reach him, but you, you get the feeling that it's just this, this protection almost. I, whether it's protection of Michael or protection, you know, from Michael, like for other people, there's, there's some sense of duty in there. There is a profound sense of duty. Dr. Loomis will not stop until he is certain that Michael Myers is contained or controlled. Yes, exactly. And, and that can involve killing him. It can involve reincarceration. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. He doesn't care what no, methods he has to use, but he needs to get Michael Myers off the street. He wants to make sure that he doesn't kill again. And he definitely feels a personal responsibility to do this. Which, of course, that's understandable. And I, and I think that he also feels uh, an incredible sense of guilt throughout this film. Oh, I, I yeah. He, he, he hides He hides it to a certain extent. And we're going to see this develop much more later. Just yeah. And it, it's not his fault, but because it's his job, I think he feels like he failed. And yes. that some part of that is on him even if that's not true, that it we assume that this was the hardest case that he's ever come across in his entire career. Yes, this is the defining moment of his life. And let's also remember that this entire movie took place over the course of about six hours. Right. So it's, it's very worth noting that this entire thing took place on Halloween night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So October 31st, 1978. Amazing. From, from the time that Michael Myers stole the car nice. and escaped to the, to the time that Dr. Loomis shot him, it was about six hours. Oh, it's so nuts. It took place all in the same day, in the same neighborhood. And the reason why I'm stressing this is because they were able to turn one neighborhood. Right into this epic setting. Mm -hmm. and, and the way that they could stretch that is to dwell on everything. So if you remember when we first met Lori Strode, we followed her as she walked to school for about 10 minutes straight. Oh, I know, that's what I love so much though. Like, because you get those long pauses, you get to you get to be with the character, you get to know them. Like, we feel so much for Lori, for Lori and we get a sense of her character because she's singing just the two of us. You know, she runs into to friends and it's like you you see how she interacts and you see Michael behind her and you, so you have to have that pacing to get so involved with the characters. Yes, we found ourselves investing in her 
from just about the beginning. Yeah. There was something about her, and it's this way that they don't rush through anything. It's the yes. way that they develop every single thing. We we got to see the entire neighborhood, both through Lori's walk to school, and then again when we met Annie and Linda. Yes. And we see the distinct personalities, even though they're all friends. We've got Lori and Lori's caller, but we've got Lori talking about fate. We've got Michael popping up behind doors and curtains. We've got the sheriff, who's actually a nice person. We've got pumpkins. We've got the shape being slow. We've got Loomis on the hunt. I mean, what more could you ask for, really? It truly has everything. And remember that scene where we see Tommy Doyle get bullied? Mm-hmm. And then Michael Myers is in the car following him. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So we dwell on that school for a good five, six minutes. Oh, yeah, for sure. And we see that stalker scene go around the corner, you know, following Tommy, like past yes. the fence. Super controlled. Um, so are you going to throw down then? Well, I'm I'm gonna give my rating, uh huh, but not quite yet, because they need to know, you know, that this is the the rating. Yeah, this is this is going to be a very serious thing that I do here with yep. my rating. Yep. Um. And so, the reason that this movie is going to get such a good rating is because it does so many things well. It gave us the perfect cast of characters that not only interacted well with each other, but interacted with their environment yeah. and drew us in to their setting. Uh, most importantly, there are certain things that this movie did not do that I really appreciated as well. Now, while, like yourself, I am a sucker for well-done gore. Oh, absolutely. Well done, Gore. We're not anti-Gore here. That's ridiculous. But no, 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 no. This movie happens to be squeaky clean. So, as we say, if you don't have Tom Savini, you cut away. Or something that, you know, doesn't linger on things that you can't produce. Exactly. So, Halloween did not feature a makeup artist. They didn't have one. So we're right. not going to get these stylized kill sequences. We're right. not going to get any of that. So instead, they used the power of suspense and the power of suggestion. We knew what was happening. When someone was being killed, we knew it. We didn't have to actually see it happen. The camera very wisely concealed the actual act. Well, yeah, and which definitely changes in part two. In part two, in Halloween 2, all of a sudden, we're going to throw most of the things out of the window <laughs> yeah. that made Halloween what it is. And, oh boy, are we going to talk more about... But another thing 
that I loved that they didn't do. And this one is actually going to shock you, I think. I'm excited. You know how I normally love to spend time at the school yeah. as a setting? I, I, I like them to, you know, go through a typical school day and show the interactions in the hallway and in the cafeteria and on the athletic field. Yeah. I like that kind of stuff. But in this movie, we got one two-minute scene of Lori in one class. I know. We did not have any interaction at the local high school. And thank God, what a brilliant decision that was. Mm-hmm. What a brilliant decision that was. So this this did not become a 1981 Canada thing. No, it wasn't about a group of, you know, a, a whole like all the boyfriends and the teachers and all that. They didn't even show the teacher. It was like peanuts. Yeah. Yes. The teacher did not even appear on camera. Yeah. That is profound. So they were not trying to create this high school sociology thing and 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 sort of bring us into that, the bigger picture in the city we were focused on a specific neighborhood a specific group of three babysitter friends yeah exactly and because they were so focused we got that massive plot development so i really appreciated everyone in the movie yes me too i thought they all played their roles perfectly i loved the sheriff that's how you know I love the movie. <laughs> I was going to say, um, Telltale Signs. Goodness gracious. And Great Balls of Fire too. okay? Nice. If you will. And oh, I will. I, I think you will. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I also, the music goes without saying. I, I think it's kind of redundant to, to even point out how brilliant the music is from start to finish because oh, so it, is, it is perfect. It is perfect. We have the main theme, we have the stalking theme, we have the neighborhood theme, we have the sound effects that happen throughout the jump scares and the kill sequences. Right, exactly. Uh, I appreciate that. These consist of just a few notes on a keyboard. Right. It's it's the simplicity, but it's um, definitely deceptive, though, because it's so good. So, one single keyboard was used to create the entire soundtrack of this film and to create the look of the killer we have a two dollar William Shatner mask oh yeah the Shatner mask which I think they got inspired by the fire miser the heat miser from the old claymation movie the year without a Santa Claus yes so definitely check out <laughs> The Year Without a Santa Claus. I'm going to post a picture because it's that flaming red hair. <laughs> it, it's actually very similar. Just really fascinating thing. So amazing. So essentially what they did is they went and bought a William Shatner mask, Captain Kirk, and they teased out the hair because in the 70s, masks were high quality. Mm-hmm. And they had, you know, hair and, and were, were very well constructed and sturdy. So they, they teased out the hair and they painted it white and they enlarged the eye. And what do you know? Voila. Now you have Michael Myers mask. Heck yeah. That's all they needed to do. So the mask cost them $2. They already had the keyboard. 
they filmed it in a normal neighborhood. There were zero special effects. There's zero makeup art for the kills. There are virtually no expenses in this movie. You don't have explosions or heavy action scenes. You don't have any big names at the time. Donald Pleasance was the biggest, but he was already essentially retired, and he did this for fun. Jamie Lee Curtis was completely unknown. She was 100% crazy. unknown. Crazy this, to think is, about. this is the movie that introduced her. Nobody in the entire universe knew who she was until this film made her the scream queen, which propelled her to this legendary status. She represents the slasher film. We've seen her in prom night. We've seen her in Oh, terror. your wife. You know, we've seen her. And remember when we covered those movies, we talked about how she was a little bit more sassy and, and had a little bit more attitude and a little bit more swagger. Ooh, yeah, That's... she comes, she comes up with a swagger. Prom night yeah. is insane. That okay, five, ten minute dance sequence though, where she is in complete control. And just exactly. the attitude is exactly. out of this world. So now we see what that was built on. So we, we like to imagine some sort of continuity among the different films. Yeah. Like con slasher continuity as a whole would state that Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, she went through this ordeal in Halloween where she was very timid and sort of in her shell still. And then she had this epic experience where she became a, a very empowered warrior who whose personality just sprouted wings. Oh my goodness, I love her. So she developed all these extra dynamics to her character. And then a couple short years later, she appears in these other movies, right? These movies that were inspired by this, these slasher movies. She's in Prom Night. She's the most confident person in the film. She's in Terror Train. She's the most confident person in the film. And all of that is because of the work she did here in establishing herself as the absolute queen of slasher movies. And your wife. And my wife, yeah. So, all right. to so make you, a long story short. You're going to hit him with it, aren't you? I am going to hit him with the rating. But not before <gasps> I point out the incredible brilliance of space between kills the space between kills so we had a kill in the ubiquitous past event which was judith myers so any connection to family we have to pay special attention to yes there are certain details happening in this movie that we're gonna really need to hone in on when we start covering this series uh because a lot is gonna happen here a lot is gonna I'm happen excited. So, 40 minutes after Judith Myers was killed, Annie was killed. Oh my god. We, we had a solid 40 minutes of establishing our setting and developing our plot, developing our characters. And speaking of the characters, even though Annie and Linda are supposed to be the bad girls and are relatively superficial yeah. compared to Lori, they are actually very nuanced and quite likable. Oh, I think so too. Linda's not the typical pigtail airhead. She's She's got, you know, a head on her shoulders. Yes. And, you know, these, these people are properly developed because they don't just exist to be killed. 
they actually have a purpose in the film and they're actually treated as real human beings. So for, for people who are used to Friday the 13th, where people essentially exist to be killed, that is a huge, huge contrast, as is the pacing. That's one of the main differences to observe here. In the Friday the 13th movies, the murders happen every five minutes. So they're in a rush. We don't really establish our scenery. We don't really dwell on anything. We don't draw anything out. We're in a hurry. But in Halloween, everything is laid back and everything is fully developed. So I can't really say that there's anything about the movie that I didn't like. And that's rare. This is the only movie I can say that about. Where'd you go? I, well, Penny started snoozing and she's so comfy. Oh. She, she, she started snoring and she was like a little lullaby. Nice. Okay, wait. Yeah, we gotta we gotta wrap it up. I'm so, should I give mine? You should probably give your rating first because one of the reasons why I'm going on and on is I'm trying to really shine light on everything that we possibly can. There were so many good things to talk about. Oh, I know. So what do you think about this movie? I'm giving it a 9.9. .9. Very nice. A 9.9. .9. So you're not going to see that too often. Mm -hmm. You're not going to see that too often. That's an incredibly high rating. When you hear 9.9, nine, you perk up it's and pay serious. attention. Oh, it's yeah. serious. Like, because I'm in business. And and because we decided that you could have one rated 10 movie, that's why this is a 9-9, because I already have my top favorite. So I'll ask you something that I asked during Black Christmas. If we had an unlimited amount of 10 that we could give, would this be one of them? Huh? If we had an unlimited amount of 10s that we could oh, give. Oh, yeah, of course. This would be one of would them. Would this be one of them? Okay. This is my 10. If I had an extra 10. Yes. But, no, 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 no. Actually, I take that back. I take that back. Because I said that about Black Christmas. And I said that about Happy Birthday to me. Yeah, we've seen a lot of really good movies. Seriously. And they would be. They, But Halloween is so classic. Like, it, obviously, I would, I would if... I hadn't already picked my 10. Yes. And you already know what it is, which is like the polar opposite of Halloween. <laughs> I do happen to know what your 10 is, and so. it's going to be really fun to cover it. We're going to get to that in a couple months, and I'm going to yeah. be really, really excited about it. But that should tell you something, too. Like, it'll take a few months to get there. So, interesting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but this is a 9-9 for me because... I already gave out my 10 and for all the reasons that we were talking about with Lori and the final girl and creating kind of a roadmap for then FTT to, to really hone the template and make, you know, slashers basically. Exactly. Exactly. So the most important thing to take away from this film is that there would be no slashers without Halloween. Mm -hmm. what, what happened is that a lot of film directors were trying to put their finger on what made Halloween so great. And yeah, exactly. the answer is a number of things. There were many things that it did at once. 
And so a director named Sean Cunningham came around and made a movie called Friday the 13th that took everything Halloween did mm-hmm. and streamlined it in such a way that added something and took something away at the same yes, time. Yes, exactly. And what was lost is this masterful pacing, mm-hmm. this classic American horror thing that went on and this uh, a lot of the class and what was gained is a formula that could then be endlessly repeated. Mm-hmm. And a genre cool. was born. A genre was born because someone watched Halloween and said, "Wow, you did a lot of really cool things in there." But while Halloween did it incidentally, simply because it was part of the script and had not been done before, Friday the 13th did it on purpose with a calculated intent to create a genre mm-hmm. called the slasher movie by essentially dumbing down Halloween but also giving it more pizzazz. Yes. And so for shorter attention spans, Friday the 13th is much more effective. They don't want to sit through suspense. You know, they don't want to wait 40 minutes for kill sequences and they want the bad characters to be really bad not just kind of bad. So Friday the 13th took everything Halloween did and exaggerated it to the extent that it became very colorful. And that is a very amazing thing. So, did you disappear again? I disappeared cuz oh, Penny, no. Penny so comfy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's the only 10 that you can give. The only one, though. I am going to give this movie a 10. I'm going to give this movie a 10. But that's your only one. Yes. It is the only 10 I'm allowed to give, and I'm giving it to Halloween. I believe that it is the perfect horror film. It also happens to be my favorite movie of all time. They did everything right. I have zero complaints. And it is the one movie that I will be able to watch forever and continue to love even more every time I watch it. So Halloween, 1978, 10 out of 10. Every day of the week. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? Let me hear it again. Oh, are you actually asleep? Wait, what did I say? Oh, yeah, you're actually asleep. Oh, no. Penny's so comfy. Yeah. But I gave my 9-9. Yeah, you did. You did. But you gave your 10, and it's the only one. It is. No take backsies. I know. Seriously. No, this is this is my 110. But it's also the movie that you just watched the most. <laughs> yeah, I truly love it. And that's what's so fun, though, is like... It, this isn't one of those things where it's the rating within slashers and suits, like with the theme of slashers. This is actually your favorite movie. Oh, yeah. This is actually my favorite movie of all time. Hmm. Amazing. So it gets the ultimate 10 out of 10. It is always a privilege to be able to watch it. It's a treat. And... The fact that movies like this exist make me love life because I get to watch them. It's the simple things that matter. I agree. 
It's Halloween every day of the year around here at good old Slashers and Suits. Yay! Wait, but you have to say the thing. Well, I, I actually have a lot more questions for you, but are you going to ask Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Wait, what are the questions? So, one of the games that we like to play oh yeah is who would i be with oh my god that's right obviously you should be with Lori. you would let's see oh gosh okay so Lori is who you should be with annie would be someone you would not vibe with and it would end up being linda right like that's how it would be I think you're right. Because Annie would start a fight with you. Yes. And she certainly would. Linda would be the pigtails and it would just it would happen all over again. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's dead on. Oh my god. So I have another question for you. Mm-hmm. Who actually wins the Mr. Potato Head Award? Right? Is it Annie? Yeah, definitely Annie. Okay. So there there are no competitors. Oh, I mean, if we're counting Michael. <laughs> I was going to say. The Mr. Potato Head hair is yes. totally Michael, too. But if we're not counting Michael, then definitely Annie. Okay, so I'm going to also go with Annie, which begs the Yay. question. If you could pull her hair piece straight up hair piece. out of her head hole, Head hole. And replace it with another hairpiece. What would you replace it with? Oh my gosh. Something totally hmm. Actually, I usually I say go the opposite. Like go the opposite way. And I would say for her, lean into it. So I would say Elaine from Seinfeld. Wow. Okay. I can lean see it. in. Lean in. I can see it. What about you? I would replace it with Pippi Longstocking. That's awesome. <laughs> can you of see course. it? Yes, now I can. Oh, yeah. I know. So ah, amazing. I gave it yeah. a 10. Yeah. I think we both went trick-or-treating, and I dare say we got a full bag of candy. Fun was had by all. Autumn leaves are on the ground. Mystery is in the air we love halloween amazing keep your suit on